Isn't it great to come and worship today, amen? How many people know nothing is impossible with God? I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what mountain you're up against. I don't know what disease is in your body. I don't know what challenge you're facing in your marriage. I don't know what difficulty you're up against. But nothing is impossible with God. Amen. I want to invite us, whether we're here on site or online, just to lift our hands to the heavens. We're going to call out to God. Father, we thank you that we could come and worship you today. We thank you, God, that you are in the house today. And we don't, we, don't, we don't worship the healing. We worship the healer this morning. Amen. We don't worship the blessing this morning. We worship the blesser. We worship you, God Almighty. And I pray for everyone here on site and everyone online, whatever the need, may those needs be met in you. I pray sick bodies be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I pray broken marriages be restored in the name of the Lord. I pray breakthrough in finances in the name of the Lord. I pray depression would lift in the name of the Lord. I pray back pain would be gone in the name of the Lord. I pray miracle in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we say thank you for what you've done and what you're about to do in Jesus name everybody shouted amen amen come on give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God amen amen we'll take a seat in God's presence this is dedication Sunday and it's been a while since we've had some dedications and uh, but we're honored that we can be here on site and we can have dedications today and so I want to invite two families to come and join me on the platform and I'd like to invite the Bashua family to come and join me and the Malvecchino family to come and join me on the platform. And so come on up, one on each side. And uh, we love children here. They are never a burden. They're a blessing. And uh, it's just great to have this special moment. So would you welcome these families as they come on the platform today? This is great. Amen. Amen. Well, we love children, and uh, you guys come right over here, and you just come right there, and this is all good. And uh, I, I tell you, the hardest part for me today is I don't get to hold these little ones today, but the day will come. And, but we know that children are not a burden, amen? Come on, children are not a burden, amen? They're always a blessing. And the Lord has blessed you greatly. And what you are doing today is so honoring to God. You are standing in front of your church family saying, we want to present back to God our child for all the days of their life. And we see a pattern of that in the Bible. Samuel, Jesus himself, was brought to the temple. And really, it's moms and dads, it's parents today saying, we are presenting back to God. The Bible says in Psalm 127, lest the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And so our instruction manual is the word of God. And God's going to help you to raise your young ones in the ways of the Lord. Our prayer is that when they come to the age of understanding right from wrong, that they would personally ask Jesus Christ into their life. Amen. Our prayer is that no weapon of the enemy formed against them would prosper. Our prayer is God's plans would be lived out in their lives. So let me do my best with my... Uh, my English pronunciation, I'm going to really do my best. And thank you in advance for your grace and patience. And so we present today, Oluwat Ami Lore, Rere Luwa. And uh, standing on the platform today are Sean and Damien, who are presenting their young one back to the Lord. Six pounds, seven ounces, the Ottawa Hospital. The names mean God has given me a gift. 
and means God is good all the time. Amen. And uh, we give God glory and honor for that. And so, Sean and Damien, we, we stand with you today. I stand with you on this platform. And God has blessed you with a beautiful, look at her, just clapping to the Lord. I love that. Just a beautiful girl. And our prayer is that God's plans would be lived out. May she be a mover and shaker for the kingdom of Jesus. And we love you, folks. We're family. You're my brother. You're my sister. And we, we, we're honored to have this prayer. So would you extend your hands? Father God, we dedicate this little one to you today. We pray no weapon of the enemy formed against her would prosper. We pray that she, Lord, would come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. We pray that your perfect plans and purposes would be lived out in her life in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would do great and mighty things through her. I pray for mom and dad that you would help them as they raise her in the ways of you. And so we dedicate her to you for all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We love you so, so much. Blessings of the Lord upon you. Amen. Hey, guys, how's it going? This is exciting, and uh, it's an honor today to, to have uh, Jason and Catherine on the platform today, and Tyrone, San Diego. And uh, we, we just thank the Lord for the blessing of God. Uh, seven pounds, six ounces, Ottawa Hospital Civic Campus. And uh, Tyrone, uh, parents name meaning unique. I like that. And youthful king. Everybody is fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? And so when God made us, he threw out the mold. There's no one else like us. And we thank God for that. San Diego, mother's maiden name and a Filipino tradition. And I think that's amazing. And so we love you folks. And we really do. We want to pray dedication today. Would you extend your hands towards Tyrone today? Father God, I thank you for, for, for Pete, Jason, and Catherine today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, you would surround this young one in the name of the Lord. May no weapon of the enemy formed against this child prosper. We pray when Tyrone comes to the age of understanding right from wrong that a decision would be made for you. We pray that your great plans and your great purposes would be lived out in their life. We pray, God, that mover and shaker for the kingdom would happen. I pray for mom and dad, give them grace and wisdom. And Lord, they stand here today with their church family, dedicating Tyrone back to you. And we just give you glory and honor and praise. We pray it now in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Blessings of the Lord upon you, amen. Well, turn your attention to the screen, if you would, please. Good morning. Thanks for joining us in worship. If this is your first time visiting us, welcome. We're so glad you're with us today. Please take a moment to fill out a Connect card on our website so we can get to know you and answer any questions you have. For our first-time guests here in person, we have a free gift card to a coffee shop. Please be sure to stop by one of the guest lounges in the lobby to meet our friendly volunteers and pick up a card. This is our way of thanking you for being here today. Woodvale, we want to thank you for continuing to worship through your tithes and offerings. Because of your faithful giving, we've been able to bless our community in many ways during this time. 
To give online, check out the Give button on our website to see our six options for giving at Woodvale. If you're here on site, there are debit machines in the lobby as well as offering buckets on the way to the exit. Are you interested in volunteering at Woodvale? There are many different ways to serve within our church. If you would like to receive more information about our serving opportunities, please attend our Serve 101 class. It's a requirement before volunteering, and this month the class is here on site on Wednesday, July 14th at 7 p.m. or over Zoom on Thursday, July 15th, also at 7 p.m. To register for either of these class times, head over to our website. We have a men's breakfast coming up on July 17th at 8.30 a.m. The theme of the breakfast is evangelism, and you'll hear from men of all ages share how they're living this out in their everyday lives. As of right now, the breakfast will be here on site, so visit our website to register. Our backpack drive is back, and this year our goal is to collect 175 backpacks. We will be doing our backpack drive a little differently, and there's several ways you can help. You can donate an empty backpack, supplies to fill the backpack, money toward the project, your time to assemble the backpacks, or all of the above. Each backpack costs $50. Please indicate what you'll contribute when you register on our church website. All items must be at the church building by August 8th. Now, get ready for the preaching from God's Word. Well, amen. It's again great to see each and every one of you, and a welcome to all of you who've joined us online from across the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even from around the world. I love asking this question. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? Amen. Well, I want to invite you to get your Bible out today. We're going to talk in our One Another Sermon series about love. All you need is love, love. And uh, we're going to learn some amazing practical truths from God's Word. And so sermon notes are available on our website. You can go right there. But we're going to start in a great passage of Scripture in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, where Jesus is with his disciples, and he washes their feet, and then he actually predicts that Peter's going to deny him, but then he introduces this command to love one another that's actually mentioned 19 times in the New Testament, more than any other one another expression is to love one another. In John 13, 34, 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, so you must Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the trademark to know that we're a disciple of Jesus Christ? If we love one another. Everybody say the word love. One, two, three. Love. 19 times. Peter was one of the followers of Jesus. He was there. His feet were washed. It was predicted that he would deny Jesus three times. Peter talked about love three times in his book in 1 Peter. And we're going to camp on these three verses today on love from 1 Peter. And I want to read these verses to you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. The second time it's mentioned love one another in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And he said, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. Now, i got to warn you, the final verse is going to make you nervous. Here it is, 1 Peter 5, 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. For a couple moments this morning... 
I want to share with you 13 characteristics. Yes, 13. Why 13? Because I found 13 characteristics in, in Peter's writings on love one another. So let me offer these truths to you. They're practical, and I believe they're challenging, and I believe they're going to help you. So let's get right to it. Number one, it must be a love that is obedient. Number one, it must be a love that is obedient. Peter said, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. You might want to underline the word purified. It's in, in the Greek perfect tense, which means it began and it's meant to continue. And purification speaks scripturally, spiritually, about the fact that we are sanctified. And we are sanctified instantaneously, positionally, when we accepted Jesus into our life. Anybody glad that Jesus is in your life? Come on. Anybody this morning glad that Jesus is in your life? Positionally, you're a child of God. Positionally. Progressively, you're becoming more like Jesus. And ultimately, you will be perfectly like him when you get to heaven. But he talks about now that you have purified yourself, you've accepted Jesus in your life, keep growing in your walk with God by obeying the truth. John picked up that same theme. And I, I want to I talk to you for a couple of moments about obedience and love. And I want to give you a couple of verses from 1 John that, that actually convict me. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, it's not on the screen. But John said, if anyone obeys his word, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Did you get that? How do you know that you're a follower of Jesus if you obey his command? How do we know we love him if we obey his command? Just in case you think that's just a one-off truth, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Friends, as I begin this message today, I couldn't shake it, that if you really love Jesus, you will be obedient to his commands. If you really love Jesus, you will obey his teaching. How do we know that we really love him? We're obedient to his commands. We can't ignore it. We can't skirt it. We can't say that doesn't apply to my life. We can't say I love this book, but not that book in the Bible. We can't say just the New Testament. We got to have the Old Testament. You got to be obedient to the word of God. How do you know that you really love God when you're obedient to what he says? Is there a little witness in the house today? You got to be obedient to what he says. I find it interesting, sometimes we create a theology to justify our sinful actions. May God help us to really fall in love with Jesus. When you really love Jesus, you will want to be obedient to his command. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. Because love, love is always obedient. When you really love him, you're going to obey his command. But then there's number two. It must be a love that is sincere so that you have sincere love for each other. I started to study the Greek word for sincere, and it means without hypocrisy. I thought, okay, what does that mean? It actually means not wearing a mask. I go, okay, what does that mean? Now, in that Greek culture in those days, in the amphitheaters, they didn't have many actors or actresses. And so a person who was an actor or an actress would play many parts, and they would actually wear a different mask to play the different parts. One actor, one actress would play many parts, and they would hold a mask up to their face. And, and, and so that Greek word is picked up here. Don't wear a mask. Just be real. Don't pretend. But then there's a Latin thing, sincere in Latin. S-I-N-E means no. 
S-I-N-E in Latin means no. Seer, C-E-R-E in Latin means wax. It means no wax. You're going, okay, no wax. What does that mean, Mark? Did you know in that day, the Greek people would make pottery and the pottery often would be cracked when they made it. And before they sold it, you know what they do? They would fill the cracks with wax and they would paint over the pottery to hide the wax that's filling the cracks. And they would sell the pottery like it had no cracks in it. And if you bought one that had cracks and was filled with wax, when you put something hot, like hot water or hot soup in the pottery, the wax would melt and the liquid would flow out and you would realize you got ripped off because you bought a piece of pottery that was cracked and they stuffed it with wax and they painted over it, pretending that it was pure pottery. And so when people were selling pottery in those days, they would say, my pottery is sincere. It's got no wax. How many people want to be sincere? What you see is what you get. You're real. It's not like you're one thing on Sunday morning and something else on Monday morning. What you see is what you get. Could we be an authentic believers following Jesus who are sincere? No wax, no mask, just real. But then there's number three. It must be a love that is bonding, love for each other. And there's two Greek words for love that is used in 1 Peter and the first Greek word is a Greek word that's a, it's a conglomeration of two Greek words, philos, philos and adelphos, philadelphos. Philadelphia is a city that picks up this Greek word. It speaks of a brotherly love. And the first Greek word means, means warm and affectionate, but it's the second Greek word that I get the truth, a love that is bonding, because, because the adelphos means born from the same womb. How many people this morning have a biological brother? Lift up your hand. Come on, you got a biological brother? Lift up your hand. Anybody got a biological sister? Lift up your hand. Evelyn comes from a family of 12 kids, and she's got 11 siblings, biological brothers, biological sisters. But you know what? There's a spiritual application because we're born from the same spiritual womb. We're born through Jesus Christ because the only way to heaven is through Jesus. So when you're a follower of Jesus, like it or not, you're my brother, you're my sister. We are family. We are connected to each other. We are bonded to each other. We've got to learn to get along with each other because we are family. Don't lift up your hand, but did anyone have a squabble with your brother or sister growing up? Sure you did. Sure you did. As you get older, you become best friends. It's wild how that works. But, but what Peter is teaching us here is Philadelphos, a bonding love. We are family. How many people are glad we're part of the family? Come on, how many people are glad we're part of the family of God? Amen. Then there's number four. It must be a love that is unconditional and sacrificial. It's another Greek word, agape. Everybody say agape. Agape. It means sacrificial. It means unconditional. It means covenant. There's a verse in the Bible, there's no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for someone. And no greater love has been expressed when Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. Anybody this morning glad that Jesus gave his life for you so that you can live? Come on, anybody glad for that? Anybody glad? If you're a parent, I'm sure there's nothing you wouldn't do for your child. 
If there is disease in your child's body, you would take the disease on your body so that they would be disease-free, am I right? When your child's in pain, you would take the pain so that your child would be pain-free. And Peter is teaching us here, the agape love is a covenant love. It's, an, it's a sacrificial love. It's an unconditional I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. No matter what. It's an unconditional sacrificial love. But then there's number five. It's a love that is constant. And you're going, Mark, the word here says deeply, not constant. Well, I need to explain that. Because the Greek word that's been translated here, deeply, can mean fervent. But they say in the, in the Greek world, it was used for galloping horses. You ever seen a horse gallop? They can gallop forever. I've gone horseback riding, and that horse will gallop for a long time. Go on, go on, go on. Enduring. It's, it's, it's enduring. It's constant. It's, 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 and so that's why I put the word constant in your notes, because Peter is teaching us to have a love that is enduring and constant, a love that never gives up, a love that says, no matter what, I'll love you. I may not like what you're doing, but I'll love you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you. I'm with you through the good times. I'm with you through the bad times. When life gets rough, if you're married, you know that you might have some difficult, dark patches in your marriage, but a love that is enduring and constant says, I will not give up. I'm going to stay. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do all that I can. A love that is enduring and constant is what Peter is teaching us here. But then there's number six. It must be a love that is real from the heart. You all know when it comes from the heart, it's the real you. you, you you've heard people talk and you go, they don't mean what they just said. You met someone, you, you, you're in the lobby or you're, you see them in Walmart and they go, hi, how, how are you? And you watch their eyes looking everywhere else but at you. That's so, I, God bless you. I love you in the Lord. You know what? I love when people tell me they love me in the Lord, but I hope they love me also because of who I am. Sometimes it's a cop. Well, I, I have to love you because we're believers. I don't like you. You see, church, a love that is real is authentic. A love that is real comes from the heart. And then there's number seven. It must be a love that is harmonious. Harmonious. Sometimes when you hear the word harmonious, you think of agreement. And when I say the word agreement, you think, yeah, we are harmonious if they agree with what I think. And we think all is good because they agree with what you think. But what do you do when someone looks at life different than you? How do you handle that? And so he's calling us to live a life not of uniformity, but unity. You know, it's amazing what we can argue about. Let me just give you one word, and I can guarantee you it will divide the house. Politics. Am I right? Am I right? You go, well, I hope that you vote for this person, and I can't believe that you would agree with that. Politics can divide people. Am I right? Politics. How about worship styles? I've heard people say to me, wow, is that song ever anointed? Implication, another song's not anointed. And sometimes when we say a song is anointed, we're really saying, I prefer that worship song over that. Church worship can divide people. It just does. I'm learning in life that I have to separate between my preferences, which are personal, and a precept, which is biblical. 
And we got to learn that God has called us to live in unity and in harmony. And we might look at life very differently. It is so, so, so true. If you don't believe me, if you're married, decide on the color that you're going to paint your bedroom. Your wife wants this color, you want this color. Come on, we know what that's about, don't we, honey? And we look at life so different. But Peter says it must be a love that is harmonious. But then there's number eight. It must be a love that is sympathetic. In the Greek, it means to suffer with. You've been tracking the news. There's a lot going on on planet Earth. We've seen the horrific deaths and graves unmarked in the residential schools of the First Nations, the indigenous friends. Our hearts break, our hearts grieve. We got people in our church from Haiti and watching the news, the president of Haiti needlessly assassinated. Our hearts break, don't they, church? And then we follow the news in Florida of the collapsing of a condo, and they keep finding more and more people who have died in the collapsing of a condo in Florida. Our hearts grieve. In British Columbia, hundreds of people died from a heat wave. Our hearts grieve. When you truly love, you will suffer when someone suffers, and you will celebrate When someone celebrates, may we be a church that carries the burdens of other people. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God. A love that is sympathetic. Now, number nine is a little tricky for me to explain. And when I say this, you're going to go, where are you going with this? But here it is. It must be a love that is compassionate. Now, compassionate in English comes from two Greek words that are connected together. And the first Greek word is good. And the second Greek word, get ready for this, you can write this down, is bowels. Yes, do you have good bowels? No, and that's it's horrible. And you're sitting here going, Mark, are you, go back to the Greek, Mark, are you po- I'm positive, compassionate means good bowels. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Now, when you study the New Testament, The people of that day actually believed that your deepest, real, deepest emotions of love and hate and anger didn't come in the mind or in the heart, but flowed from the intestines, from the inner core of you. Have you ever told a joke and someone laughs and they go, (laughs) and you know they didn't mean it, right? But if you ever saw someone laugh that you knew it was coming right from deep inside of them, it was that belly laugh. Aren't those good? Right from inside of you. When I was sharing this thought with my daughter, just I think it was yesterday, she said, Dad, some people say that the second brain is your stomach. Because your stomach, your, your inner core of you can determine some of your health issues. And I think the Greek people are onto something. And so it's talking about what's deep inside you, what's deep innerly in front of you. Now, watch this. The Greek word that's been translated from two Greek words, English, good bowels, began to mean courage. 
It sooner or later became courage, good bowels, courage. And that's why I say to you, compassion is passion and action. And when we truly love, we don't just say we care. We do something about it because we care. May the church not just be talk. May the church be a people of action. May we not just say we grieve, we hurt, we're broken, we care about our city. May we be like the story in the Good Samaritan that we wouldn't walk on the other side, but we would do all we can to help those that are bruised and broken. And church, may we be a church that cares for the people around us so much that we don't just feel it, we put our passion in action. Come on, how many people this morning love to see love in action where we do something about it because we care? I don't know if they're watching this morning, but there's a couple in our church that because of COVID can't come out yet and they're in a senior's residence. And I suppose they can sit back and mope and cry and say, it's horrible, I'm in a senior's home and this is horrible and COVID, we can't do anything. You know they did? They had compassion for their residents, so much so that they started to live stream our Sunday morning service for the residents last Sunday in a home of about 75 residents. 13 residents joined them to watch our service last Sunday morning. Come on, I think that's powerful. That's, that's love in action. Reaching out to people, and instead of saying, oh, it's horrible, they did something about it. They made some lemonade out of Life's Lemons Church. May we, may we have good bowels. Amen? You know, yeah, Pastor Mark said, may we have good bowels. May we have passion in action. Then there's number 10. It must be a love that is humble. Humble simply means not rising far from the ground. You want a definition of humble from the Greek, not rising far from the ground? If I put it in words that I understand, may I never become a person to think I'm better than you or our church is better than another church or my culture is better than your culture or my nationality is better than your nationality. May, may we not rise far from the ground. May we treat people with dignity and with love with acceptance. We can dislike a behavior, but accept a person. May we be a people that walk in humility because humility attracts and pride repels. Humility never talks about yourself. Humility always gives Jesus the glory, always gives Jesus the praise. I learned a long time ago, Someone taught this to me. They said, Mark, live your life holding a mirror. I said, what do you mean a mirror? They said, when people give you praise, deflect it back to Jesus. Never make it about you. Always make it about Jesus. Can we pause right now, put our hands together, and give another loud clap offering of praise to Jesus? Because humility means, humility means not rising far from the ground. Let's go to the last scripture, and let me wrap it up. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. You're getting really nervous because you're worried I'm going to make you apply this. Don't worry. It's COVID. It's COVID. But we're going to learn something from God's word. All right. Number, number 11, it must be a love that is welcoming. Peter said, greet one another with a kiss of love. This might shock you. 
But love one another is mentioned more than any other one another expression in the Bible. But number two is greet one another with a holy kiss or with a kiss of love. Number two is the kiss of love. So we need to talk about the holy kiss. Now, let me put your mind at ease. This is not the kissing command. This is the greeting command. Whew, I'm relieved. It's the greeting command. Greet one another. I started to study the ancient Greek word for greet. And it means to embrace and enfold with your arms. Remember the days before COVID when someone would wrap their arms around you and say, I love you as a brother. I love you as a sister. Feels good. Feels good. I got a brother sitting here this morning, and I used to love when he'd hug me because he was my personal chiropractor on Sunday mornings. He'd pick me up and just put my back in place. The application here is may we be a church that is welcoming and embracing. That doesn't mean we water down our theological convictions, church. It means that we say everybody's welcome. Come as you are and meet Jesus who can change you. May you come just the way you are and may you receive and be changed by the power of Jesus Christ because one encounter with Jesus can change you forever. May we not be a museum for the perfect. May we be a hospital for the hurting. May we say, everyone welcome, Jesus. He shocked people in his days. He hung around with sinners. He hung around with sinners. He he broke the cultural norm because he cared for everybody. Church, hear me. There's nobody you've seen. There's no one that your eyes have locked with that doesn't matter to God. Everybody matters. No, we're not going to bend on our theological convictions but may we be a church that says we welcome you because if we believe we've got the answer, his name is Jesus, we've got to open the front door wider and say everybody's welcome. Come and meet Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I believe God is about to do something great in the days ahead and he's going to stretch us. He's going to stretch us. He is going to stretch us. I remember years ago, How many people were in the old auditorium worshiping? If you were in the old auditorium, lift up your hand. Do you remember the old auditorium? It's a lot of years ago. And it was a Sunday morning service. Those were the days where we were all wearing suits and ties. And it was just a different day. And I remember it was the third morning service. We had three morning services. And I watched a lady walk in. And she wasn't dressed the way everyone else dressed. And she walked in with her McDonald's bag. And she's holding on to her milkshake. I knew it was a milkshake because I heard her slurping on it. And I watched her walk down the aisle, and I watched her sit on a pew right over here, and I watched her cross her legs and open up her Big Mac because it's now after 12. It's third morning service. And she's eating her Big Mac in our auditorium. I knew it was shaking some of our ushers. Because those were the days we said no coffee in the auditorium, no food. And she's a first-time guest. And she's slurping on her chocolate shake. And she's eating her Big Mac. And she's got her legs crossed in the front pew. And she's taking the whole service in. I was so proud of our church that day. Because not one usher walked down and said, don't you do that. We don't do that in this place. 
They didn't. They let her stay. And she took in the service. And God worked in her life. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. It was in the 60s. How many people remember the, the free days of peace and love and hippies and long hair? Anybody grew up in those days? And it was stretching the church. And there's a church in our assemblies that was reaching out to the people of the 60s. And they were flocking into the church. And, and they say one Sunday morning in the middle of the service, this, this, the guy with long hair came in with shorts that are way shorter than they should have been. And he walked down the aisle and he sat right on the front, crossing his legs right in front of the preacher, right there. And everybody with their suits on were like, <gasps> and the head usher in the back with a three-piece suit started walking down the aisle. And everyone thought, you can't blame him. I know what he's going to do. He's going to come and tap him on the shoulder and say, you're not supposed to sit there. And what are you wearing those short shorts like that in the house of the Lord? And the senior usher walked down, and everyone expected him to tap his shoulder, but you know what he did? He put down his cane, and he sat beside that man throughout the entire sermon. That's the kind of church I want a pastor that says, come on in and point you to Jesus. Then there's number 12. It must be a love that is relational and personal. Okay, we got to talk about the kiss in our final moments. And I need to tell you that this wasn't the romantic kiss. In our culture, we get all caught up in the romantic kiss. But in that culture, it was a, it was a common way of greeting. Peter didn't invent it. Paul didn't invent it. It was in the Greek culture. And the kind of kiss and where you kiss depended on your relationship. If you were a brother and sister in Christ, you would come and kiss them on one side of the cheek and on the other side of the cheek. When we passed it in Montreal, we had a lot of Italians in our church. And I come home with more lipstick on my white shirt than you could ever imagine. If I went and shook hands at the door on the way out, oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. They call me pasta, pasta. Kissing me and lipstick everywhere. But if it was a rabbi, you might kiss him on the beard. You might kiss him on the forehead. If it was a superior, you might kiss them on the hand. You might kiss them on the hand. Now, culture, that's the way that they were greeting one another. And so are we supposed to transpose the kiss into our culture? No, you're, you're, you're to take what they did in that culture and find the principle. Let me give you a few illustrations. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, does that mean we have to get buckets of water out now and wash everybody's feet? No, that was the practice of the day because they wore open sandals and they got dirty feet. They didn't wear shoes like us. The principle is to serve one another. When Paul said to Timothy, get a little wine for your stomach, does that mean every time we got a tummy ache we're to take some wine? No, wine was the remedy of that day to help you when your tummy hurt. So the, so the application is find something in your day to help you. What about the head coverings? 
Is every lady in our church supposed to wear a head covering? Did you know in that day that if a lady didn't wear a head covering, it was exemplifying that she was immoral and she was probably a prostitute? So the believers would wear a head covering because they didn't want anyone. They weren't a prostitute. They weren't immoral. That's why they wore the head covering. So we're not to take what they did then and do what they did to do today, what they did then. That's the way they greeted back then. But we're to take the application. And what it really meant is... I love you as a brother and sister in the Lord. You matter to me. I honor you. I respect you. I want to be relational with you. I want to be personal with you. And so what is the application? Come on, Woodville. I want you to hear this. Let's not be a church where we just show up and receive and go home. May we function like a body of believers that truly care about each other. And may church not be one hour on a Sunday morning. But may we be in contact and relationship with people throughout the week. Because everybody matters. Come on, somebody say amen. The final one is number 13. It must be a love that is life-giving. I almost missed this, but I couldn't wait to share this with you because in verse 14, Peter said, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Did you know that's the last verse in the last chapter of this letter. It's his final word. I got a question for you today. When you're with someone and when you leave, what do they remember? What do you leave? I hate you. You're ugly. I don't like you. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. No, Peter said peace. He gave some life-giving words. I want to challenge you, Woodville. Wherever you are, leave life-giving words. May we be a people that build up and not be a people that tear down. May God help us to put our love in action. And when we truly love Jesus, we will want our love to transcend to those around us. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite you when you stand to put your hands together and give one loud clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Come on, come on, come on. You can do better than that. This is to Jesus. Come on, to our Lord Jesus. Father God, I just pray as Pastor Sam comes and leads us in a moment of worship. I'm praying, mighty God, that in these final moments, before the service comes to a close, that all the focus and all the attention and all the glory and all the honor would be to you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we give you glory. And we give you praise. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name. Amen. Let's worship. God is in the house this morning. Let's just worship in these final moments.
Every head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed. Whether you're here on site, you're watching in line, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, you know that you know that you're going to heaven. Was there a time, was there a place, was there a moment that you said yes to Jesus? Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You can't buy it, you can't earn it. Jesus paid the price for your sins when he went to the cross. And I'm here to declare to you, God loves you so much. We talked today about love one another. Who started the love thing? God did. He loves you. He loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus loved you so much. He died for your sins. And the way to heaven is a personal relationship with Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Have you asked Jesus into your life? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you can answer yes to that question, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life, please forgive me of my sins. Today I have decided to follow you. I receive you in my life. Today I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. I pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen.